One of my sixth grade students this week asked me, Mr. Collins, where were you during 9-11? Let's talk about that today and other experiences we can share with our students on episode 13 of Substitute Teacher's Lounge. I want to thank everyone for being here today for episode 13 of Substitute Teachers Lounge. I want to give you a reminder. First of all, my email address is gregcollinssubstitute at gmail.com. My Twitter is at subteachlounge. And let's not forget, too, we've got that Facebook page, and several of you have signed up for that, so I appreciate that, and we've shared some thoughts in that. It, too, is called Substitute Teachers Lounge, so... Make sure you sign up for that, and I hope we can get some communication going, and maybe even we can correspond and set up some interviews and all of that. So think about doing that in the near future. You know, you heard the, you see the title, you heard the opening to this week's podcast. I don't want you to think that it's going to be totally somber the whole way, because I want to spend as much time as I can just talking about how much your students enjoy hearing your experiences. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that after I was through discussing 9-11 with them, that they they pretty much told me that they appreciated those stories much more than anything they had read in a textbook. Uh, and I'll also tell you another story, and another infamous story that they asked me about as well. But basically, when the students asked me, we were basically in the last 10 minutes of class. They had got their assignment done. They had already had me before. They, they know what uh, I like to do at the end of class. So one of the students did, in fact, ask me, Mr. Collins, do you remember where you were on 9-11? And I do. And First of all, let me say before I start my story that all of you all have stories to share. My story is not any much any more different than yours. I had no firsthand experience with that situation. Some of you probably did. So some of you all even have bigger stories to share. So you won't hear me saying anything about this. And I'll try not to quote too many facts because this is not meant to be a documentary. And to be honest, if I say something that's not exactly right, I don't think I'll be mention, mentioning any times on the clock or anything like that. But if I do, I'm a little bit off. Let's, we won't get too worried about it because that's not my intention. Basically, I told them that I worked at a hospital at the time, and I was walking down the hallway that morning going to a meeting. And when I go to this meeting, I always have to walk by our hospital cafeteria, and there's a television in there. And I looked in there, and there was like eh, maybe 10 or 15 people gathered around the television. It's suspended from the ceiling, and I just thought that was strange. So I stopped long enough to go inside and see what was happening. And sure enough, they were showing a smoke and fire coming out of the side of, of one of the towers. And I asked somebody what had happened, and they said a plane had flown into one of the uh, towers in, in uh, Manhattan. So we started talking about that. I went on to my meeting. Of course, there's always uh, terrorism stuck in the back of your mind when you see something like that. But at that point in time, 
I didn't immediately go to that uh, line of thought because, you know, it could have just been a terrible tragedy. Uh, I went on to the meeting, and then that's when we found out about the uh, second plane. And, of course, just like uh, with your day that day, uh, September 11th, 2001, you remember where you were when you saw it. I remember where I went out where I was when the second plane hit. Uh, I remember where I was. I was still in my office, and, and pretty much everybody in my office had were watching it on the feeds on our computers and seeing what was going on. And, of course, if you remember back to that day, the first uh, crash footage that we saw was of the second plane because, obviously, there weren't camera crews in place to catch the crash of the first plane. So we were watching that. I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, it was a couple of days later, maybe the next day, where we ended up seeing footage of the first plane uh, crashing into the building as well because there was a fire fireman training class that was going on in Manhattan at the time that was on the ground, and they heard the plane coming in flying low, so they just swung their camera in that direction, and we saw that footage later. But, you know, that was a very startling day, I told the kids, and I said, we didn't really know for sure. Uh, well, we knew at that time, of course, once the second plane hit, that it was a a terrorist situation of some type. We didn't know the degree at the time. But, you know, it really changed, uh, you know, everybody's uh, lives that afternoon. I told them I remembered walking out to my car that day to get in and just... It made you feel so strange that I remember uh, looking up into the sky and wondering, you know, are, are things like this going to happen in my area too? And it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, looking back at it, you know, it, it, I remember myself trying to get from my building to my parking garage as quickly as I can because I didn't know what else was going to happen. And, of course, we go home that night and everybody has their news channels turned on. We all remember the expression that President Bush had on his face when he was told, I believe he was giving a speech at a school at that time. And, of course, when we watched that footage back when he was told and it was after the fact and we knew what was happening and we saw his expression, then, uh, you know, we knew how serious it was. And we listened to his speech and it really changed everybody's life. You know, I told the kids that the reason you have to go through through the intense search in airports now was because of this situation. The reason you have to package things in certain type sizes is because of this situation. I told them personally I was supposed to coach my twin sons in a little league game that night, and I remember they would have been 11 at the time since that that's 18 years ago, and I remember all of that happening, and of course we canceled the games and I reminded them that all flights were grounded as soon as this started happening so there were no airplanes in the sky for a couple of days and when we finally went back to start playing baseball again a couple of days later I remember when we finally saw a plane fly over it just looked so strange because there was no planes in the sky for a few days and I told them about, you know, what it did to the stock market and effects like that that it had on businesses. And I told them about a friend of mine that was 
had been traveling to St. Louis from Kentucky and how he was stranded there and couldn't get back. And even rental cars were hard to find at that time. So it really changed our whole world. And one of them asked me uh, why I thought it happened. And I said, well, you know, it it appeared that it was a uh, radical part of a religious group, at least if we hear, you know, that's my description of how I remember people talking about it on the television and that's uh, they didn't uh, like what we do in our, uh, you know, in our area and the way perhaps we interpret a re- religion and how they uh, disagreed with us. And that was that was the actions they took to make sure, you know, to try to do things that uh, to prove a point, so to speak. So, you know, it was a very uh, good conversation. Uh, I enjoyed having it with those kids. You know, the, this particular group of sixth graders it was one of the first group I've taught, but it's, it's a group of students that uh, are very captivated very easily. And this is probably the most, I guess, relaxed group of sixth grade students I had ever taught. Uh, I didn't have any issues the entire day. Uh, and due to this discussion, but really, I think it would have been this way without the discussion, they were one of my, if, if not the my favorite sub day I had ever had. So I really appreciated them allowing me to open up to them and talk about my viewpoints and talk about where I was and how, you know, events like this, if heaven forbid infamous events happen again, you know, you're going to remember where you are and what you were doing that day. So it was a great discussion. And then one of my students thought they would joke around with the class a little bit. And they said, Hey, Mr. Collins, were you alive during the Kennedy assassination too? And a couple of them chuckled because they just knew that was ancient history. And then you ought to have seen their mouths drop to the floor when I told them, yes, in fact, I was alive during the Kennedy assassination. It's funny with sixth graders, if if sometimes I'll have students just for fun guess my age. And most of like, you know, seventh, eighth graders, especially high school, they'll get pretty close. But sixth graders have guessed me all over the map. And when I tell them I'm 61 and I was actually five years old when the Kennedy assassination happened, they're they're pretty surprised. But I told them, I said, listen, I was five years old. You can remember some things that happened to you when you were five years old. And I told them, listen, I remember being in some type of classroom when I was hearing about this on the television. Now, I know it wasn't kindergarten because not many of us went to kindergarten in Kentucky back in those days, and we certainly didn't have preschool. So I'm not sure what kind of classroom situation I'm remembering, but I do remember that. I remember whoever, whatever adult was standing up in front of us, and for whatever we're doing, they were going over it on the television and that type of thing, and how it was really a sad uh, part of our uh, of our history in the United States and how, you know, the uh, assassin worked at a, a bookstore and a book storage store and how he had uh, hidden himself in there and barricaded it and how he was a really good shot and how he had shot from an upper window. And I've visited that museum in Dallas and it's a very interesting museum. It brings back sad memories, but you can stand right next to the window where the shots were fired. And I took them all th- through all that. They were captivated. And I said, you know, the thing I think I remember about that more than any 
was on a Sunday morning. I can't remember if it was two or three days later, but I was I remember it was on a Sunday morning because we were getting ready to go to church. And all of a sudden, my father comes into our living room and says, somebody just shot uh, the guy that killed the president. And they uh, vaguely remembered this story, my students did, but I said, some, someone who was upset, we didn't found, find out why. Some people have speculated there was some kind of conspiracy with Lee Harvey Oswald, but that was never proven, and most people think that he acted on his own. But evidently, there was a businessman that was upset named Jack Ruby. He ran a bar. And he showed up that morning, and while they were moving Lee Harvey Oswald from one prison to the, or from one jail to the other, that the guy came up and shot him. And of course, the conspiracy theories started like they were trying to keep Oswald quiet because he was kind of a patsy and all that kind of thing. So I told them that story. I shared them that story. And, and now I'll tell you this I think it's kind of ironic that. Even at these sixth graders' age, they're they're eleven and twelve years old. They still think about uh, the Kennedy assassination and nine eleven as being two of the most infamous uh, things that have happened to our country. And you know, those of us that are older, we pick those same two events most of the time. So it's interesting that those two are still the one that draw the most attention. But it really went well, and I could tell. You know, they told me when I was finished, Mr. Collins, what you told us was, you know, that that meant more to us than anything we ever read in a textbook. And you could tell they really appreciated it. And we still had a couple of more minutes, and I started sharing some other experiences I had had because I wanted, you know, things to— stay on a pot or leave leave them with a positive note I didn't want to leave them all bummed out and sad so I actually told them you know one thing I remember in addition on September 11th because let's let's face it now every time anything happens on September 11th you think about it being the anniversary of the date of the of you know of the trade center uh, crashes uh, you think about that I feel for the 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 ones that were born on that day because that you'll always uh, remember that day and it's a terrible thing. I uh, mentioned to them that one of my favorite baseball players, uh, Pete Rose, you know, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, believe it or not, there's still a few of us out there. And yes, he gambled, so we won't go into all of that, but I remember when he got that hit to break Ty Cobb's all-time hit record. That, too, was on September 11th. It was in 1985, so that would be, what, that would be 16 years prior to the World Trade Center situation. And I tell them, even today, when I see that baseball clip played on the television, you know, you think about 9-11 from 2001 as well. So anything that happens on September 11th, that's what you think about. So they enjoyed hearing that story too. So I tried to see how many positive stories I could leave them with. I went ahead and started talking about things I enjoyed doing when I was their age. I said, you know, a lot of them, believe it or not, have still heard of the Brady Bunch. So I said, if you want to have some fun and you've ever watched the Brady Bunch, 
bunch. I said that was one of the popular shows when I was young. I said, you know, the home, you know, the HGTV has bought the house that the original Brady Bunch, uh, when you saw the front of their house, it was the original house in that picture. And they're trying to remake it to the TV sets of the Brady Bunch. And I, I told them that was kind of a fun show to watch if they'd ever seen the show. So we talked about a lot of things from my childhood when I was their age. And the whole day just ended up being a bonding experience with me and those students. I enjoyed it. My story was no different than stories you can share with your students. And that's really the point I want to make with all this. Those students are hungry to hear our experiences, not just to walk in and look at a textbook or even look at a computer screen. When we can personalize it for them, it's amazing how quiet they are. I'm actually in a classroom right now during a planning period. This is a particularly hectic week. I have substitute taught every day, and I have refereed volleyball every night. So I wanted to do this during my planning period, actually in a school. If it sounds different at all, I don't know if it sounds any differently to you. But I actually shared some of the things I was going to Uh, say on this podcast I shared it with a class that is made up of juniors and seniors and while they didn't have many comments like a sixth grader was uh, would they still were very quiet and wanted to hear what my experiences were for that day I only had a couple of them that had been born before uh, this would have happened and, and that would have only been a few weeks or a few months so None of them really lived through that. This is the last group of graduates that none of them most likely uh, or, or that some of them would have been born before it happened, but just slightly. So we had that conversation. It was a very pleasant conversation. Never pass up the opportunity to personalize the lessons you're teaching. Even when I taught a math class, I would try to share with them, you know, here's some of the things that, you know, I learned when I was in math class and how you guys are so much further along grade-wise. You all learn a lot more by the sixth grade than I did when I was in the sixth grade. And I would tell them little tricks that my teacher told me way back when that they thought were silly, but they laughed at and it was kind of cute and we moved on from there. And I told them some of my favorite books I liked to read when I was young. It was mainly like sports books or nonfiction books of that type, but they really enjoy having conversations with you like that. So I would encourage all of you, make sure you take the time to share as many of your personal stories as you can with them while you're teaching the class. Now, you know, you can't just sit in there and babble all day about the history of your life, but everything that you're teaching them, you can most likely think of when you were their age, what you were thinking about when you studied these topics, when you had personal experience, like if you're in a history class. I remember being in a class where the teacher was teaching Mayan, uh, the Mayan area and the ruins and all that. And I had actually been through part of that area on a, on a cruise ship one time. So I talked about that. I've talked about the history of music. I'm, I'm proud to say that I've actually visited Liverpool and I visited the, the childhood homes of McCartney and Lennon. And that was a big deal to me because music's important to these kids today. So sharing stories like that, I think, think all of us, it really helps all of us to bond better with our students.
So always have those stories tucked away in your back pocket. They're great. Uh, the, the kids love to hear them at any level. Any level student that I've talked to love hearing about your personal experiences and how it rates, relates to what they're studying. And we've got all kinds of things to share with kids. So don't just go in there and sit behind a desk and Help them with textbooks and worksheets. Share your personal experiences with them. Even if they're comical, I've shared stories with with you that I've shared with them about how I make fun of myself from time to time to kind of keep things loose and let them know that Mr. Collins has been a, a funny person in the in the past and he's not afraid to share that with you about what he's done that was pretty crazy in the past and I always like that part of teaching, so let's always remember that. Be prepared to share sad stories with you, with them. Uh, Be prepared to share happy stories with them. I've shared with them how when my father passed away last year, how it made me feel, and you know, there's students in every kind of situation there and how I had, I talked about how I'd always looked up to my father and I expected him that he was in heaven and, and all those kind of stories. And so be, be prepared to share stories like, like that and be prepared to share your happy memories. I, you know, I told you I was a Cincinnati Reds fan. They really haven't been that good since the seventies, but boy, they were good in the seventies. So they like to hear stories like that from time to time. They like to hear about what my favorite movies, if I told them one was the sting, some of those students went back and watched that. You find very few students anymore that will tolerate gone with the wind just because of some of the, uh, racial situations it depicted back then and just due to its length but there are all kinds of things we have done in their past i would challenge you sometime when you get a chance either on your your, the notes in your phone or on a piece of paper write down all of the stories both happy and sad that you think you could share with your students that would enhance what they're studying or maybe it's just a time killer for the last five or ten minutes of class i can guarantee you that helps your students see you in a whole different light and they relate to you you know you might have some sad stories uh that some of them are going through you might have some happy stories that some of them have also experienced so do that share those stories with those kids and i will think I would think that it will make you be so much closer to those kids. Uh, I appreciate you listening to this lesson. I hope you haven't heard any school bells in the background, but uh, I thank you for listening today on episode number 13 of Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Music provided by Ben Sound.